0: Welcome to Too Busy to Flush, I'm JR, And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. This is episode 140. We've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, which we can talk about a little more in general. But um, if it is your first time and you want to know what to expect, so do we. That's why I have time-stamped show notes, because we don't know where the the show is going to go. A little bit of reality podcasting, Um, most of the time because Molly and I tend to be Just super busy in life. I don't know if you guys, like those of you that are married, try to, like how often when you have kids, you're like, when was the last time we just sat down and talked about something other than the kids? Or when was the last time we sat down and just caught up on what's been going through our heads for the week? And that's... Jordan
1: Peterson says that couples should do that once a week.
0: Well, I think they should do it once a week too. So this is our once a week. (laughs) We just do it
1: in front of you guys.
0: (laughs) Is our once a week. Yeah.
1: And th- except for the last month.
0: I did pick up a mixing project for a band in town. A new band who's recording their first uh, single. and Who recorded their first single. And the the recording engineer, who office, I think is also happens to be one of the band members, couldn't quite get the mix where he wanted to be handed it off to somebody else in town who's known for doing a lot of this work. They couldn't get the mix they were looking for. Asked me if I wanted to try it. Warned me that he's super picky. It's fine, I'll give it a go. And he said, I got it nearly perfect right out of the box. That's awesome. So, what did
1: he mean about there was something that he didn't like, and I didn't know what that meant? But JR sent me the guy's response while I was oh, there's the a weekend. synth
0: pad pad. There's that's pad. what he was
1: saying the pad. Okay, the pad.
0: there's a synth pad. Is that like a, it's s- just a drum? No, it's a keyboard, and it's just like a single sound. That is just kind of a like a, like a pad is like a, like when you have, when you listen to pray, like modern praise and worship music, pads all over the place. Oh. Those sounds. I do know that what that kind of, means.
1: I'm going to have to Google it. Okay. It's a pad. It's
0: a bass. It's just kind of what's called like a bass
1: okay. sound, like and a chord. And he, they put of, it would, in and he didn't like it. No,
0: at- he liked it. It just, it went on And this. You kind of run into producery sorts of questions at this point. He felt like it went on long enough that it just became kind of irritating. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna fade, as it comes in, then we're gonna start to fade it out after a few bars and then go into the rest of the song so it's not quite as irritating for him.
1: Hmm, okay, that's so, interesting. I, it's so fascinating that you can isolate things like that. And
0: Oh man, it's, it's, I remember I was telling somebody I used to live, um, when I was in high school, I remember my uncle had really high-end, uh, a really high-end hi-fi system. Uh, you know, a stereo system and really high-end uh, monitor earphones, um, headphones. And I remember like laying down, I'd spend an entire afternoon. The, the clarity was so great. I'd lay down and just listen to the music and work on picking apart each individual instrument and focusing on that instrument Do you realize bit.
1: that was three decades ago? Yeah,
0: and then putting it all back together again. <laughs> I, didn't, I had no, at that time, I wasn't necessarily on track to... I was playing bass at that time, but I wasn't necessarily on track to doing any mixing yet. It was the year later that I was... But this is, that was one of the moments where I was like, well, this is really fun. Hmm. You know, just to sit there and listen to things and pick it apart and put it back together and, and listen to how it's constructed and how everything and works together. And the tech
1: has undoubtedly changed remarkably in the last almost three um, years since... Yeah, I mean, it's gotten... You your uncle's top-of-the-line stuff.
0: It's, it's gotten... The technology has gotten to where you have... I mean, it's digital now, so that means you have almost unlimited options uh, where you want to go and take something. And um, you can do a lot of things a lot easier now. It's a lot simpler to do things. But the biggest, I think the biggest, when it comes to a creative process, and I know there's some creatives that listen to our show, whether you're painting or drawing or writing, you kind of need to have some sort of containment or a constraint built in. Otherwise, you just don't know where... Like if your options are endless, which option am I going to choose? Or am I going to spend the rest of my life trying, trying one new thing on this thing? And so for me personally, I have specific constraints that I work. I deliberately put myself in to work in. And then I don't work outside those constraints. And a lot of times it does save me money because I'm not chasing the next plug-in. Um, but it also allows me to have um, consistent results because I have the same consistent sound and it's a very high quality sound. So, I mean, I mean, if you're using brushes or using paints or whatever, you know, there's like I've got a blank canvas. I can do whatever I want. But now I can take off the blue and try the red. Or what if I don't want it there? I want it over here. Or I want a little shade of that. I mean, you can do anything digitally. So, yeah, the technology's changed, but it's also kind of remained the same. It's the same skill.
1: Mm, okay. Speaking of technology, did you know that there are congressional hearings going on right now about UFOs?
0: I have heard I have heard murmurings about UFOs but I don't know any context or has have not been interested enough to
1: So I would say that I wasn't interested enough but there's this gal that I started following on Instagram a couple of months ago who is a a self-funded v- rogue sort of reporter so she wants to be apart from the mainstream media and Her whole awakening moment that the media was not super trustworthy came during COVID, and anyway, she's sometimes she's a little bit kitschy, but she she posts some really interesting things that I never would think about if I weren't seeing some her stories. But she was watching the hearings today and posting some video clips. And it's a lot of retired military whistleblowers that have prompted these hearings. And they're saying things, like, the two most interesting ones that I saw these clips of is there was this guy saying this this thing, four things flying in a diamond pattern went in front of us. And the weirdest thing was, like, they somehow disabled tech in our, in our aircraft, so it was like over the ocean, over California, and they, I think they call it the Tic Tac, Tic Tac incident or something, but they, or maybe that was something else, I was skimming through the, uh, the stories really fast, but the, so their, their computer, their computers and the cameras on board this aircraft did not, did not capture anything that these pilots are visually looking at and it disabled their their tech from capturing that visually or on radar or whatever but they have like cell phone footage of it so there's video footage of it, but it's not the quality that it would be if it had been these aircraft that are designed to create it. So it was
0: able to disable aircraft technology, but it wasn't smart enough to figure out the cell phone technology. I
1: I don't know. And and then the other one was this this other this other saying. whistleblower was saying that he had, as a military person, investigated some sort of UFO crash with the technology that is probably 30 to 40 years ahead of where we are, um, where America is today, and this was like 20 years ago. So technology that blows us out of the water presently, let alone 20 years ago, and then the person said, and did you, what was the word they used, did you recover any biologics from this crash? And he said, yes, I will not publicly say more than this. But we recovered biologics, which means living, like material, dead aliens.
0: (laughs) Dead aliens or living, depending on the nature of, well, two thoughts come out that I don't, we don't have details on. Um, The nature of the crash, how destructive was it? Was it, did they find it intact or did they find it scattered over?
1: over I don't know, but he said non-human. He did say non-human biologics. But I think
0: like the biological thing too is like whole pieces or are we talking like, I don't know I don't know
1: I what was interesting to me in watching it though besides the fact that it's it's kind of fascinating to hear all of this also I don't know if you guys can hear there's screaming going on in the background because I told the kids that if all three girls practiced their violin they could watch Bluey for the rest of our recording and so they all rushed down here all of a sudden motivated to get their violin done as soon as possible but they've changed they've written a sign, actually, on the door into our basement, and they've made it their violin studio. It's called, like, the Sweet Strings Studio or something. Have you seen the door that they... or the sign that they taped to Mm -hmm. the door?
0: It's adorable. And so
1: now they pretend that they're doing violin programs and whatnot down here, and so... You're, you've possibly been hearing some violin in the background, unless Jr. with his super sweet tech can isolate <laughs> it and take it out.
0: <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can do some of that, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to that level of crazy. And then they're yelling um, at each other. about There it. is a tipping point where you can spend so much time perfecting something that it's totally not worth. Especially
1: your time. a podcast like us. But right, but Here's also
0: 18. I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of curious now. I'm gonna have to listen back. I don't think you can hear it. You can like we're isolated enough, and this is directional enough though the microphone's directional enough i don't think you'll hear but maybe you will i don't know
1: okay so what i was saying about the ufo hearings there were two things that were kind of interesting to me one is that there are conspiracy theorists people out there and maybe 10 years from now five years from now i will be like oh those people were totally right and now i'm i'm uh what's the word for don't know an agnostic. I'm an agnostic about it. Well, it's not
0: that you don't but, know. It's that you don't really have an opinion one way or the other. Yeah, like, eh, it could go both ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, this. So the conspiracy theory is the government is releasing this as a distraction or as a reason to blame the next big global problem that we have that is human created. They're going to blame it on aliens. And, um,. And so this information is coming out to us now because it's part of a big plan. So that's that's one thing that I was thinking of. And the other thing is I actually don't really care that much about... It's, it's interesting. It would be fascinating, but I'm not interested in it. I didn't watch... What was that TV show with Scolder and Molly? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, the X-Files. X-Files. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a single episode of that. Uh, I just that genre the the idea of aliens and UFOs has never really captured my imagination truthfully it kind of makes me uncomfortable because all the alien movies are all bad like what's the most recent Chris Pratt one that we like so much
0: <laughs> oh they're all awful and then the one um, in South
1: Africa the District um, 9 was, District
0: 9 was great
1: I mean they're good movies but they're they're terrifying but um, well
0: they're terrifying I, anyway
1: yeah, I guess I have this, It because God is in control of the whole universe, and I do think there's something special. There's very much, I, I had heard a seminary professor once talk about if he thought there could be aliens out there, another life, life on another planet, and he was like, I don't see any evidence in the scriptures that would say that God couldn't have or wouldn't have created other other worlds with other life forms.
0: I'm in the same boat as he and, is. And,
1: and it would slash will be very interesting in Glory to have evidence of that and to see what that looks like. I don't necessarily feel like the, are there aliens, are they going to attack us, what are UFOs' narrative or deep life questions... Really impact my reading of what the end of the world according to scripture will look like. I just don't. I, I, you know, the book of Revelation in two words is God wins, right? Yeah. And we are God's people. He will not shelter us from suffering. I think that that's probably the most. I'm also. I don't know if i can say this out loud without getting virtual rotten tomatoes tossed at me but i'm pretty agnostic about all of the uh all-mill pre-mill post-mill debates
0: i don't care about any that of
1: those. when i mean when i was in seminary that was a huge like you had to have your position when
0: everybody went to seminary it was huge but we were also coming out of the 80s we
1: coming out of the 80s we were in the early 2000s by then Uh, okay but yes the left behind series was not
0: even that but all those bad um all those bad post-apocalyptic bad christian sci-fi movies that came out too i have not seen a single bible bookstore used to have some oh man they were awful
1: yeah so i i just i feel like the most important thing oh with, with
0: really bad titles the classic was thief in the night don't you remember I, No. Oh man. No. Okay, wait. Hold up. Hold I was up. not
1: part, I of part of that part of that niche part of Christian culture. No, I think there are certain things that I think are super important to understand and believe about when God brings this world to a close. First of all, if you are his, he will not let you go. Second of all, he is in control and even things that seem really really bad and really really scary, he is in control thirdly, he will let his people suffer. And I think that that's a really important one to recognize because when I was in middle school, my youth pastor did a series on the end times because he was working on his MDiv at the time at Dallas Theological Seminary, which at that time was really known for their dispensationalism. That was their kind of signature thing. If you wanted to get The best dispensational seminary degree that money could buy in the entire world, you went to DTS. And so he's a DTS and he's just being inundated with dispensational theology. And which, by the way, DTS isn't even really dispensational anymore. They've moved past that. But anyway, at the time, so he comes back and he's this very eager. Young youth pastor flooded with all this heady knowledge and he's trying to share it with middle school students and he does this series on the end times and he landed on uh on his again dispensational very much into the rapture and the left behind and all that and he believed that scripture had to teach a pre-trib rapture for believers, because he just couldn't believe that God would let His people suffer as much as the Book of Revelation describes, and as he I, looked at life. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> as, a
0: lot of freak, God's letting and, us suffer hard.
1: And as a middle schooler, you think, yeah, like there's some really horrible things happening. I don't want to do that. I also am going to sign on to being a pre-tribber, <laughs> and I. I have done, I have not suffered nearly as as much as many people in my life that I know. I have done a full 180, though. I fully believe that God, I mean, how can you say God won't let his people suffer when early martyrs were being fed to lions alive and used as torches on the streets of Rome? And to say God won't let his people suffer? He will let his people suffer in extreme amounts and and he will keep them safe and he will guard their souls and we don't know what their experience of suffering in that you know extreme moment of suffering at martyrdom is like but we do know that he was with them all the way through
0: yeah
1: and so anyway that those are my believe whatever else you want about the end times but don't you dare say god won't let his people suffer at the end but also, don't you dare lose hope. Whether it's that the world's going to be attacked by aliens and the weird spinning thing with eyes in Ezekiel, maybe that's a UFO. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm not going to go into what bad theology I might be able to dig up there. But, um, you know, the, whatever scary life forms might be out there, which who knows? God is still in control over them because He made the universe, including whatever worlds, those creatures that are capable of creating incredible tech, if such a thing exists, uh, are are capable of. He is still sovereign over them. I, I feel
0: like, um, if anything, like a lot of maybe if you're not well versed in your in your Christian theology, for instance, you might think that um, you know uh, aliens will the The existence of aliens will com- completely disproves Christianity or God's biblical narrative, and, and it's like, well, no, God's biblical narrative to us is about this about world. us, about him, our relationship with him, and this world that we live in. That's, and he is teased. Like, if anything, the existence of aliens proves <laughs> that proves more uh, historical um, uh, believability or biblical believability because. You know, he hints at other creatures. He's created other creatures.
1: Right, but like Nephilim and stuff. He's created demons.
0: He's created all these other creatures out there that who says he can't? And then we know, we know, yeah, we know through scripture that, um, you know, demons have tinkered with humanity and its genetics, and you come up with the Nephilim and things like that. And so it's like you've got these things in there that hint, and so if aliens exist, well,
1: cool <laughs> yeah good. the one i really, want to travel the stars the I'd one love to go. really interesting question there for a me a vacuum, is, is as far as i understand right angels were not created in the image of god no so could god have created another world with beings that bear his image in a different way than human beings bear his image Did they experience, could they, would they, whatever, have experienced a similar type of fall? Or are they living in perfection in an unfallen world billions of light years away? And what does it look like for a being, hypothetically, very different from us, but made in the image of a Trinitarian God? What does it look like for them to... Worship and to live in relationship with that Trinitarian God? Uh, those are interesting questions for me. Who knows?
0: I mean, God, if God is truly God and can truly do anything, then He can. Um, I am I may be going weird places here. We're already going weird places. In this I know.
1: Show. <laughs> this is not where. Hi, guys. Why wouldn't welcome he be back. We to, haven't talked to you for a month, but let's we're gonna talk go about super aliens. weird.
0: Um, <laughs> but why couldn't He have? Very unique, very personal relationships with some another creature,
1: another type in complete
0: fullness as he does with us.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I just that aspect of it really boggles my mind because the the thing that one of the most important things I want my children to understand as I'm raising them with a biblical worldview is the incredible value that human beings have. In contradistinction to any other creature on this planet because no other creature bears the image of the living God in their very soul. And that can be that the baby who was miscarried at six weeks still bears the image of God. That can be the person who is severely mentally disabled and never talks, never really engages with the world around them still bears the image of God and is thus has infinite dignity and worth as a human being. And in contrast to that, you know, the pet that we love most in the world or the most beautiful and rare, bald eagle or gorilla or whatever, you name it, some creature that it has this incredible beauty and subjective value to us, their value in the eyes of God pales in comparison to the unborn baby who bears the image of God on their soul. It's, And that, to me, that impacts how we think about pretty much everything about our role on this planet and our interactions with other people and our interactions with the rest of creation. And so, I mean, that's such an important point to me. Then as I think about the possibility of other living creatures that have rational capacity which is unique to human beings um, and moral capacity I guess uh, that that raises really interesting mind-blowing questions to me that really we don't we can't answer but are sort of fun hypotheticals
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day there's been rumors since early uh, of aliens and UFOs and things and it kinda of came I think came to predominance in the what thirties, forties and fifties. But those came from somewhere and they've been around forever. And I don't like technology to the point now where you can make stuff look so realistic anymore that I just don't really unless I'm like abducted <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, that I'm really... these hearings
1: might also include stories from testimony from people who were abducted. But again, okay. I have not followed this that. I'm not course, really, so you... I don't know
0: that I'm really ever going to believe it. Like, it's just going to be like, okay, this is fun. I hope, one, yeah. I hope it's true. Like, it'd be fun. It'd be, it'd be neat and interesting. But I, everybody makes stuff up, and we know people up and down lie under oath. Oath, you know, testifying under oath doesn't mean anything anymore. Nobody has a belief in justice anymore so i just don't believe and i'm not saying any everything they're saying is untrue what i'm saying is like i'm skeptical i'll believe it when i see it
1: and also at the end of the day increasingly who was i telling this to i feel like you and somebody else maybe oh it was the friends we had dinner with last night i am increasingly a exit having to depend on the government as and in as many ways as I can type of person Ooh, so especially time. after the covid narrative and control <clears throat> and things like that and so I would rather just keep my head down and focus on raising our family well and providing for our family yep. and the and the mental and spiritual health of people within our sphere of influence which has which we don't have any influence other than uh, you know, I think about, oh, what's his name? Rod Dreyer's books. You know, the, the influence that people who kept their heads down and focused on doing what the Lord called them to in their small spheres, those are the people who kept the spiritual heart of live communist bloc.
0: Live not by lies.
1: Yes. Those are the people who stayed the most alive spiritually and emotionally during those very dark periods in the communist countries. And so... If America is on the twilight of anything even remotely resembling that, what I want is to have our ducks in a row so that we can live well. And... From you know, this goes to your point that you're constantly making to me, which is why I even bother with these rabbit holes. Well, the UFO is fun, that's why I bother with it. That's why I am agree, that one's fun. That's I why like I that watch this lady's stories. Other times, I like to have information so that I can feel like I'm making wise decisions. Other times, yes, I'm wasting time, but at the end of the day, yeah, I think that you can have fun thinking about things like this, but then you, you actually. Turn your phone off and go outside and plant. Well, that's or... that's the
0: key thing. Even with all this UFO stuff, like it's fun and interesting, like you were saying. But at the end of the day, you know, turn your phone off, just like you were saying, and
1: be present and, with your. And family. that's,
0: but also spiritually, like, what are we to do? God doesn't want us to. He's not. He obviously it doesn't want us to be overly concerned with that. There are still fundamentals in our relationship with Him. We have to be focused on. I feel like
1: what's and the, What's the Bible? It's verse? Not that hard. Is it in Timothy? I feel like this super applies, even though it's not even remotely the context that Paul was writing. It is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of self-control. Yeah, those are the power is that God's in control. We love those around us and we have self-control when it comes Mm -hmm. to where we spend our energies and our fears. And um,
0: so on that note, though, I think this would be a brilliant segue to tell your Uber ride story from your weekend in Canavox.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so I so this weekend I flew out on Friday morning to Princeton, New Jersey, for my annual Canavox retreat, which is always just a delight. Like, what an incredibly fun. Truthfully, I feel like it's the sort of group different, totally different group, obviously, but the sort of environment that we would have if we had a too busy to flush reunion. Like people who like to think a lot and people who would, who would always have an interesting conversation going, every corner of the room you turn to, there's somebody having a fairly heady conversation, but also people who have so much fun. You're just dedicated to family and living life well and filled with joy and not with fear, which is what I love about the Canevox of Ox ethos. One thing that I was just telling a friend about the other day who was a little bit taken aback that it's not a Christian organization, which it's not, it's not a religious organization at all. It's based on natural law, which if you have a biblical worldview says the world provides evidence that the world operates in a moral way, the way that God tells us it does because of the way he created our body and the created order to function. So, I mean, the obvious one would be he made man and woman and bodies fit together like a lock and a key, and you can't put two keys together and you can't put two locks together and have anything happen. And so so that is physical world evidence for man-woman union. And so what what's great, though, is that there's so much social science and so much physical evidence for bringing whatever your worldview is. If you have a traditional, basically Judeo-Christian worldview, it fits with this natural law way of thinking about the world that Kena Vox is promoting and teaching. And so, yes, so in, it sounds, this sounds like the beginning of a joke. We had, in our Uber ride to Newark's airport on Sunday evening, we had a catholic from ireland, an lds mormon woman from california, me an evangelical from montana and a jew from florida. <laughs> and so it's like with the you know the joke a catholic a baptist a jew and a mormon get into a cab. you know. <laughs> and instead of instead of it being a punchline, we the the three the lds woman who's this utterly brilliant, she's a professor In the University of California system and then the Catholic woman is from Ireland and she's like utterly brilliant in all things crunchy and because she's like she's can quote John Paul II who wrote apparently this incredible treatise called the theology of the body she can quote passages from it and they're brilliant like truly as an evangelical I'm jealous of this uh, formal church document that has such incredible, probably the closest equivalent to it that we have would be Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body. She's a professor in Texas, I think University of Austin, and is utterly brilliant as an evangelical theologian, but it's modern and not nearly as wide, widely known as JP 2s Theology of the Body. So we're we're kind of all we know each other fairly well we all started working for cane of together in 2016 and we just enjoyed a whole weekend together and the jew is a is a college student who was, is part of a contingent that we've hired to help flesh out what a syllabus looks like for college students as well as what it looks like to do cane of Ox for college students because what we do is meet in a home once a month, uh, discuss things, and we just take our time. We enjoy our discussions. Well, for college kids, how do you find a leader? Is it going to be not a freshman who's getting their feet on the ground? You basically maybe get them in as a sophomore. They have a junior year, and then they're outgoing, and they need to be training somebody else. And so there's this very fast turnaround, and you have to be very choosy about how punchy, you know, how, what topics you feel like are most important to cover with them Will you have them. And you also need to honor their time because they're probably very busy. And also, if they're coming at a university and conservative, they're going to be coming for, at this at feeling very embattled. Anyway, so he's, he's a student doing that. And we said, oh, what are, you, what are you doing for the summer? And he works for Amazon Web Services. And none of the three women really knew what that meant. And so he then has to explain to us what cloud computing is. And he actually is sort of a government contractor. And he said something to the extent of, he works to keep America's secrets safe. And the Irish cow goes, what, you mean like my credit card? And he goes, oh, no, 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 like America's secrets. And we were like, this is Amazon. And he goes on to just sing the praises of how much computing power Amazon Web Services has, and for example, when Russia was invading the Ukraine, they migrated all of the data of the Ukrainian government onto Amazon cloud servers within like two days or something, thus saving all of this important data for the citizens of the Ukraine, as opposed to, I think, the fear and why he felt so proud of this was There are citizens or survivors of the Rwandan genocide, which happened, what, in the... When did the Rwandan genocide even happen? Was it in the Mm. early 90s? I don't remember. Now I'm going to Google it really quickly because I feel embarrassed that I don't know. That's ancient
0: history anymore.
1: 1994.
0: Yeah, that was... We were in high school. Yeah, that was 30 years ago. We were
1: in high school. (laughs) And... (coughs) And somewhere between five hundred thousand and eight hundred thousand Tutsi were massacred. And and this many of the survivors from that massacre lost, you know fled their homes, lost all identifying documentation and are are nobodies. they they can't buy things. they can't travel from, City to, they, from country to country or if they do, it's this very long drawn out process. There was a man now I can't remember his name. Golly, I hate getting old. When I worked at Peacemakers, we had a doctorate in peace studies program based in the Philippines and there was a survivor of the Rwanda genocide who was a PhD student in the program, early in the days of the program. And he always had to build in he was a seminary professor. Did his
0: name start with an M? I don't know. Hmm.
1: I bet my mom listening will remember. But he always... It's not hit, helpful
0: for recording, though.
1: Right. It doesn't really matter. But he... I mean, his name matters. God knows his name. His name matters. Right. All that, am I saying that right? Um, but he, he would have to build in, like, three days on the front end and the back end of his travel so that he could get on an airplane and then fly and just, like, live in this no-man's-land holding period... Well, the government of the Philippines decided if they would let him in or not every single time he traveled because he couldn't obtain a passport because he didn't have any official documentation documenting that he was born or that he existed.
0: This is what Amazon has done to save the Ukraine. And so this this, so
1: this this college kid is telling us that Amazon has prevented this by rescuing all of the Ukraine's computing power or data, which which is probably not untrue. He and we three women who are older and more suspicious of life are going, do you think it's good that Amazon now has all of the Ukraine's, Ukrainian government's data? Well, yeah. And you think it's good that they have, they're actually hosting data for the United States government? Well, yeah. I mean, we're doing a fantastic job. We're doing a better job of what they can do. And you think it's a good thing that they have so much power over just the global marketplace because they hold such a huge slice of the world's computing power. Well, I mean, there was this one incident with Parler in 2020. And, <laughs> and the philosophy professor was like, yeah, I had a Parler account. And it just, poof, disappeared overnight. And people were active on it. And, and he was like, yeah, I mean, they definitely screwed up there. And they bow to public pressure, and and then the Catholic guy says, "But who is pressuring them? You just told us that the 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 retail side of Amazon is almost negligible, which is wild to me to consider, but is almost negligible in terms of Amazon's profit base. And they weren't even profitable in 20, until twenty nineteen, and this is how they can undercut competitors it's because they're not actually relying on all of their billions of dollars that they send to people's houses every day worth of goods and goods they don't rely on that for their bread and butter it's the web services so why was there why did they cave to public pressure also what what institutions have they put in place or parameters or rules or decision-making bodies to make sure this doesn't happen again that the excuse that they gave, which you, by your own admission, has just said, was not, not, it, just, it was just trumped up. You know, at the same time that Black Lives Matters is destroying property like crazy, this is, I think, pre-January 6th, all of these people are supposedly terrorists threatening violence on parlor, and so that justified wiping this service off. Anyway, he was he, he acknowledged this was a blip. And this is a very smart
0: It's a big blip.
1: Mer- very smart maybe not quite as self aware as he could be, would be, will be in ten or fifteen years. College kid who we he got out of he we got to his terminal first and he got out and we all just kinda looked at each other like that was a little bit wild. I mean, it was very interesting and he was a very nice, pleasant guy. But The way, just the way that we, all three of us, have begun to interpret the world around us and people with a lot of power, uh, we were a little bit, we just have, none of us have had conversations recently with people who are philosophically aligned with us in terms of many of our conservative worldview and values, but then so wholeheartedly on board With uh, a giant corporation having that much power anyway that was my my Canevox Uber ride it was fun though
0: yeah it's weird thinking about I mean you could spend a lot of time energy and money trying to remove or distance yourself from government dependency Um, you know we're always going to have as long as we own land and own property the government's going to have a hold over us Mm-hmm. That's kind of what somebody was saying the other day. Like that's what keeps the government having a hold over you. And I mean, you choose to participate in that economy too. But I, you could spend a lot of time, energy, money trying to distance yourself from that, only to, at the end of the day, having just spent a lot of money and be totally self-sufficient, and nothing ever happens. You still live your normal life. Like we could set up the family cabin to be totally self-sufficient year-round, right? To what end? Like are we actually going to live there year round? No, just as a preparatory thing. At what point is too much? You know that sort of thing.
1: Um, I think this is where it's
0: interesting. It's just an interesting thought.
1: Yeah, I, but but I really feel like this is where trusting in the Lord to for your daily bread, as well as just developing basic life skills and good relationships are the most important things you can have, because you can never be... There's no such thing as a self-sufficient homesteader. (coughs) They have to rely on friends and neighbors and family. So this idea of self-sufficiency is not only unbiblical, it's also unattainable. Uh, The skills are, truthfully, just in a lot of ways... I mean... Okay, I'm mentally trying to bookmark... uh, a rabbit trail here. But in a lot of ways, as we're raising our kids, the skills that I want my kids to have are how do you grow a garden? How do you problem solve? How do you not freak out? How do you uh, work hard? Literally, just how do you develop joy in working hard and in producing something with your own hands? The and then Yeah, and then just put your head down and create, know how to create things and enjoy creating things, and those are the best survivalist prepper skills. Like, your dehydrated food is going to run out at a certain point, but the ability to grow a garden or to grind wheat and bake bread or to be in community with people who have skills that you can barter for... Those are the things that if you are going to be a survivalist matter, and if you are just trying to live a good life, and this is where I'm I'm going to go back to the, the mental rabbit trail that I'm on. So my Cane of Ox discussion this weekend, we always have kind of an overarching theme and guest speakers and stuff. My Cane of Ox discussion was about helping men and boys in America flourish, and there are these absolutely appalling statistics. I'll send you a podcast that was not a Cane of Ox one, but um, Mike Rowe, you know, the dirty jobs guy, mm-hmm. he did an interview with a scholar with the American Enterprise Institute named Nicholas Everstadt several, like maybe a year, year and a half ago. And then somebody who to whom I mentioned that said, I listened to a Nicholas Everstadt book or interview with a guy... The podcast is called Modern Wisdom. And it was a little bit more uh, heady philosophical discussion than the one that... The Mike Rowe one. And so that's why why she recommended this to me. And he... So that it's April 13th, Modern Wisdom, interview with Nicholas Eberstadt. Why do millions of men not want to work? So according to Eberstadt... One in seven men who are of working age and physically capable of work do not work in America. And the reason this has slipped under the radar screen in terms of the unemployment statistics is because the U.S. government didn't start tracking unemployment until the Great Depression. And obviously the metric is we want to get people working, right? The assumption was that anybody who is of working age and able-bodied who can work will. And so the assumption was if you are not working, you're a man and you're not working, you're either disabled or you can't find work. And so that became the unemployment metric. But now we have literally millions and millions of Ameri- of American men who are opting out of working. And they're by and large living off of various forms of government assistance working the system or they're living at home they're playing hours and hours of video games a day they're using opioids or they're smoking marijuana and and so that's the current status but there's also a lot of younger men who just their parents can't get them out of the house they just and i bet that everybody, almost everybody listening here is like, oh I know one of those I know, I know at least one of those and and the trick is, so one of our speakers was a man named Leonard Sachs and he has this whole, in his book Boys Adrift, he has this whole chapter of just page after page of testimonials from people who are either these young men, he did like radio interviews and people responded to it saying, yeah I'm one of those people and I don't have any problem with that I live a fine life and I completely shame free or sisters or parents who are frustrated and yet can't figure out for the life of them, how to motivate these men to be productive members of society. And the problem, there's a lot of problems with it. Obviously there's a huge economic problem. There's a cost to the family, both uh, financial and social and relational. And, um, there's also the fact that they are just not living the lives that God designed them to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so our question that we were kind of tackling is how do we, as we're raising a new generation, how do we help prevent boys and young men who are within our sphere of influence from falling into this? And Leonard Sachs in his book, Boys Adrift, has some really interesting commentary Um And some of that, where I was, where I paused earlier and was making this mental note, was, was honestly a lot of Sax's recommendations are, let boys be outside. (laughs) Let them, have them be physically active in nature in a way that boys' brains want to be physically active. So he has stories, he's on the East Coast, he has stories of boys being expelled for throwing snowballs, or pretend shooting a gun and getting expelled for violating their school's weapons policy. And this suppression makes depressed, angry, elementary school students who are taught that there's something deeply wrong with their very impulses from the moment they enter the school system. And so he does a lot of work, actually, workshops and things like that for teachers, for schools that are really motivated to help boys thrive. But dovetailing with that, I listened to a podcast also on my way out there by a gal named Jill Winger, who is a, your mom actually got me into her. I'm holding, uh, your mom gave me her day planner for, uh, homesteaders, which I use a fraction of, but I enjoy it nonetheless. But she has a podcast called Old Fashioned on Purpose, and she interviews really interesting people, and I will pull this one up also so I can reference it, and then I will send J.R. the link but her podcast episode that I listened to on the plane... Nope, that's not it. Why is it not downloaded?
0: It's called Old Fashioned on Purpose?
1: That's her podcast, um, Stink. <clears throat> I'm going to have to go looking for it. You can it. Look, it, look it up later. Yeah, but I, I the reason I said Stink was I'm trying to figure out how I even listened to it because I'm sure I listened to it on the plane. Anyway, she interviewed this gal who's a behavioral psychology researcher? I don't know exactly what her title is. She's a behavioral researcher. And her research is always with rats. And they've discovered that like with people... Oh, I can look it up in my in my Instagram stories because I got off the plane and I had listened to this podcast and she's talking about dopamine hits in our brain and it totally sounded like part of the end of Craving where he's talking about right. addiction and an addict there's there's different brain chemicals for anticipating food versus actually enjoying food and a food addict or a a substance abuse addict they 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 get a ton of dopamine in their brain from anticipation but they don't it doesn't match the actual experience whatever the actual enjoyment of something and so you can't stop thinking about chocolate or you can't stop thinking about potato chips or something because you get you get more dopamine in your brain from anticipation, and then it's not matched in a way that satisfies by the actual experience of something. Well, this gal said that they're able to measure somehow dopamine levels in rats, and they do different things, like they had rats that just lived normal little rat lives And then they had rats that they gave little trinkets to, to get them excited. And the rats had happier brains when they had interesting things going on in their lives on a regular basis. And then they went from giving them like dollar store plastic stuff, so like a plastic ladder, a red plastic ladder that they could climb up and down. Then they made the ladders out of twigs. And the the rats' brains were even happier. And these are just rats in cages, right? And so then they, so she's like, you know, if the human brain is as much like the rat brain as scientists believe, that tells us that human beings need to be doing something and preferably doing something nature-y in order to be, to have happy brains. And then she went up, she had two more things that she said that were super interesting to me. And one of them was that they the ultimate treat for a rat is Fruit Loops, or at least for her lab rats. And really? So, so they they give rats, you know, as as treats, Fruit Loops. So their control group of rats. They would give like ten Fruit Loops a day. Just put them in a bowl, and the rats get the Fruit Loops. And they're apparently rats like open their mouths and lick their paws when they're really excited about things. Oh, it's funny. And so these rats get the bowl, and they open their, their paws and you know their mouths, and they lick their paws and they eat their Fruit Loops. Well, the second group of rats, they would use piles of wood shavings or shaved paper, paper shreds and stuff, and they would bury the Fruit Loops in these piles, so the rats would have to work for them their levels of brain happiness were higher than the rats who just got the bowl of Fruit Loops. They got the same, both groups got the same number of Fruit Loops. But wow. the rats that had to work for their Fruit Loops ultimately received more satisfaction from that treat. And then somehow, you guys are going to have to listen to the episode if you want to understand all of this, but somehow she also has measured the happiness of rats as they are anticipating things, so oh, she said, the, her the the rats that she's had in her laboratory for a long time are like little puppies to her. They they see her come into the lab and they're jumping up and down and they're like super excited and happy to see her. Is that
0: is that the way the rats were that you had growing up?
1: They were never jumping up and down to see me, but they were really friendly and they would sit on my shoulder and they had fun little personalities. But I wasn't doing any behavioral right. training with them, and so so these she trained these rats that she would give them treats when she came into the lab. So they see her come in, and their brains are like fruit loops; they go nuts in anticipation of the fruit loops. And they, she said that the rats that they she would prolong the anticipation actually were more satisfied. When they received the treat, then the rats who got instant gratification, and so our brains, the human, the, the corollary there, she's actually very concerned about uh, using pharmaceuticals as the first line of defense for mental health problems in humans, hmm. and she said our brains are actually designed to hope. She didn't use that word, but our brains are designed to hope, to look forward to things, to anticipate things. And then Jill Winger, the interviewer, goes, that means we have to have something to hope for. Yeah. So so you actually have to have experienced good things in life. You have to know what good living feels like in order for your brain to produce healthy chemicals in anticipation of experiencing those good things. And so there's a twofold, you know, we've been, our brains have been hijacked by and large into not actually understanding what is good. And so we don't live in anticipation of things that That's are good. That's
0: very um, end of
1: craving-ish. Yeah. It's also very biblical, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, we we have to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then we have to train our hearts to long for and look forward to the good. And we actually, from a chemical brain level, need to live in hope because, I mean, you know, obviously they're not saying this in these podcast episodes, but what we're currently experiencing is not ideal. We need to have good to look forward to, to get us from, you know, you're a big believer in Uh, You know, taste and see these little things. Sit on the back patio with a glass of whiskey at the end of a frustrating day. Oh, yeah. You know, it it just... Enjoy
0: a sunset. Smell the flowers.
1: Yeah. it Just Just take a moment. It literally does something for your brain, though, in reminding you that there is good stuff to look forward to. And anyway, so all of that, the the connection to the Canevox was that we need to... I mean, not just little boys, little girls, teenage boys, teenage girls, all of us, we need to be physically doing things and enjoying the work of the fruit of our labor and experiencing good in life that we can then know that there is good to look forward to. Yeah. That's it. I'll find my... uh, Speaking of good to look forward to, uh, if anybody has... Interesting zucchini recipes that aren't just chocolate cake or Mel's Kitchen Cafe. Do you need any other
0: interesting zucchini recipes that aren't chocolate cake? Yes, <laughs>
1: be- yes, because it's a hundred degrees outside, and I don't want to turn the oven on to bake that chocolate cake. And but I I overestimated how much the chickens would like zucchini, and I planted a lot of zucchini in anticipation of feeding the chickens zucchini and they sort of half-heartedly peck at it. And maybe if we weren't giving them their normal food, they would eat more of it, but then anyway, they would probably be living an unbalanced diet. Anyway, I have zucchini already coming out my ears. And you I'm make
0: chocolate cakes. Chocolate cake every day. Yeah. Zucchini chocolate cake is good. We the would
1: best. be so unhealthy.
0: No, it's it's zucchini. it's zucchini, it's vegetables.
1: It's equal parts zucchini and sugar. I
0: I weighed in at my shoulder appointment today at 2:22, and I thought to myself, "Well, that's within my—it's the upper end of my normal window." But I don't feel any bigger. I don't look any bigger. I have the same layer of—it's just weird. Like I don't know if my body's gotten denser in the last year, but it's just oh, odd.
1: Oh, this is the other thing. Speaking of denser,
0: speaking of fat,
1: they rats brains I'm not fat. the I'm rat dense. the rat brain researcher. Maybe in the head. When the, when the rats were given the trinkets mm-hmm. to play with, they would then, this was a an experiment that she learned about when she was in college, so she wasn't doing this. But she would actually, they would, they would you know, six months or whatever, six weeks, however long an appropriate experiment is for little rat brains. They would have the control rats who just live in their little cages and then the experimental rats who had the trinkets to, that were intellectually stimulating for them. And then they would kill them and weigh their brains. And the rats whose brains had something to, interesting to do were heavier than the rats who just lived boring life in their cages. And so huh. there was like they were so actually
0: engaged brains are denser and heavier.
1: Yeah, and I guess by in, you can infer that they're better. You know, there's something better for you in having a brain that is like that. Anyway, so I maybe mean, maybe
0: my brain got heavier. I was gonna say
1: maybe your brain <laughs> added all that weight to you. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fine. Do you know
1: how big your brain is in uh, comparison to other body parts that you have?
0: Uh, how big? Like, size-wise?
1: Yeah. If you make two fists and put them together like right. this, that's how big your brain is. Yeah. Your brain is essentially the size of your two fists. Yeah. This, this is homeschool trivia. Oh, yeah, I knew that one. This a is trivia lot, for homeschool moms. Um,
0: Elise uh, asked me how much a head weighs, and I couldn't remember if it was 28 or 18 pounds. Oh. Like an average head. What's,
1: what's the Tom Cruise movie with the little kid, the blonde kid with the glasses? Jerry the human Maguire. head weight, yeah, Jerry Maguire. The human head weight is eight pounds.
0: Eight pounds. I knew there was an eight in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, what about really fat people? I'm like, eight pounds or like.
1: Their heads are the same. The heads size. the same, about the
0: same size, but maybe a little more fat adds a little more weight. But fat doesn't have as much weight capacity. It's not as dense as like muscle and.
1: Yes. So your brain's
0: fat tissue, so I guess I... That's true. I also
1: need cherry-preserving recipes if anyone has something that just would blow me out of the water, because last Thursday, I bought 20 pounds of Flathead Cherries, and they were so amazingly delicious. I froze maybe two pounds, I gave away probably five pounds, and we've eaten the rest of them. And so yesterday, when the same guy posted on Facebook Marketplace that he was going to be back in Billings selling, and I thought that, I think this is a really good deal for super fresh cherries that are relatively local. He's charging $3 a pound if you buy 20 pounds. So $60 for a 20 pound box of cherries is a really good deal. And so I went out and I bought another 20 pound box of cherries. And they'll last us a couple weeks of eating them. And our kids are eating them like crazy. But I'd also like to preserve those great flavors of summer for Winter. winter. And I need to figure out i and our I'll eat cherry
0: would, pie i'll eat cherry crisp I,
1: so eat, these i'm are, the only one
0: that will eat crisps and pies in this family though. no
1: i will but i don't like making them and having the kids turn no. their noses up at something i just True. but and also these are not the right kind of cherries for cherry pie you actually use tart cherries for cherry pie yeah, and whatever. add a ton of sugar I'm just to will it
0: you can use whatever cherries you want but i'll eat it
1: okay well i'm gonna try some cherry jam possibly cherry, jam could be good. cherry syrup
0: Cherry syrup. Now, I am one of the ones that when you texted about, we were over at Molly's parents' house and I was with the kids and she's like, can you ask the kids if they would have cherry syrup on their pancakes and waffles? And it was the classic kids. It was a 50-50 split. I was like, I would absolutely have cherry syrup on my...
1: I, so i halved and froze. These cherries are so big, they don't really pit well in my cherry pitter. Can we make a cherry liqueur out of them? Probably. Let's
0: do the cherry simple syrup.
1: Well, remember the burgundy cherries that are a core of your... Right.
0: And I still have a whole jar of cherry liqueur that's just delicious. I need to make some more simple syrup, though.
1: Yeah, so I like anyway... Adding, I like adding a little bit to your... I froze... Uh, t- to my mojitos? No, your um, your ginger beer. Oh, Super yeah. Super good. I need to make some more ginger beer, speaking of which. So anyway, I froze a bunch of cherries, and our kids will just eat partially thawed cherries like crazy, but um I don't know just looking for a variety so if anybody has great cherry preserving recipes send them our way and jr will tell you how to contact us now
0: yes you can reach us the number one way well let me back up you can reach us at the following JR.Molly. no yeah. which what am I what am I giving out am I giving out emails phone numbers telegram groups let's start with the telegram group that's the number... some that's the we are
1: so out of practice you guys yeah it's
0: been two weeks the telegram group is the number one people way people will get a hold of us and interact with each other talk about the show talk about other things it's a great group of people uh, it's a private group the link is in the show notes to join that group so if you want to jump on and join that go for it um, you can also send us a postcard on our website our website is too busy to flush all grammatically dot com too busy to dot com or tb the number two f dot com tb two f dot com Either one of those works, and you can scroll down and send us a postcard that way. Finally, you can send us um, an email at tb2f at pm.me, tb2f at pm.me, and that's all I got. We'll keep another couple little fun show thing uh, notes in the show notes for you uh, for various things, and um,
1: we'll hopefully... You know,
0: referral links and things like that, so
1: things we like and good stuff. And we will hopefully talk to you in a much shorter time than the last time. We'll go really.